Democracy is essential to everything we do, everything we know in society. And I think that healthy, thriving communities are self-governed, right? So you have people who are managing a community that are in a leadership position because a group of people decided that they trusted and valued their leadership. And I think that at any point when that is no longer true, that needs to be communicated. When you have a community that becomes really unhealthy and it kind of just goes haywire, that's really unfortunate for everyone involved. And it's something that I think we've all probably experienced at one point or another. They can basically find all of the things you would want in real life from people around you, but online and unfortunately not necessarily close to you. But that can be a lifeline for that child. And it really is a matter of life and death for so many circumstances. And that's just something that I care very much about. You're listening to Create Community. I'm your host, Marsha Drucker. On this podcast, we're exploring the human side of community. I'm chatting with some amazing community builders to define what community truly means. Joining me today are Jessica Moreno and Jess Zakira Wise. They're the co-founders of Mesh, the first platform designed by community experts to connect, moderate, and monetize communities. Jessica Moreno is the former head of community at Reddit and the co-founder of Imzy and Reddit Gifts. Jessica Wise has worked as a community manager, film producer, progressive activist, and storyteller. In this episode, we chat about creating sustainable online communities, community as a lifeline, and why it's more important than ever to maintain democracy within communities. So let's jump right into it. Jess, Jessica, welcome to Create Community. I'm super excited to chat with you both today. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you too. Yes. <laughs> I love it. This is going to be a fun episode. So this is our second one where we have two co-founders and they have the same name. I love it. Okay, so let's dive right into it. So Jessica, why don't we kick it off with you? Um, what has been kind of your uh, start in the community building world? Um, any early experiences in it? Anything? When I was in high school, this is in the 80s, so it's before we had smartphones and social media. And I was part of the East Bay punk music scene. And we had a very close-knit group of young people who basically just gathered together all the time. We didn't really have a lot of ways to contact each other, so we would just show up to um, this local punk collective called Gilman Street, which I believe is still active. And we would gather every weekend and hang out and watch music. And we were sort of each other's support system. So that became a really big part of my life. And I think it built the foundation for how I viewed community in general as being a place for people to come together and be supportive and enjoy themselves. That's so beautiful. I love that. And Jess, what about you? I've been involved in community for most of my life. I really started understanding it on a deeper level when I got involved in student council in high school. A really great experience that I had in high school was my high school was trying to buy a new building and we needed to talk to city council because it wasn't zoned for where the building was uh, for it to be a school. And so I talked to city council, I talked to parents, I talked to students and really helped organize and, and be a part of this high school getting a new building. And that really introduced me to the power of community and how getting everybody on the same page can be a really wonderful and effective way to um, create change in addition to just feeling connected. That's amazing. What a great learning opportunity for somebody so young in high school as well. That's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) 
So you both have had such fascinating careers that have really kind of been in like so many different directions and you've done so many fascinating things. So I want to touch on it. Jessica, let's start off with you. Can you share a little bit about your past role as head of community at Reddit? So that was around 2014 and 15 when I became head of community at Reddit. And I worked closely with Ellen Powell on the policies. We were trying to address what had become a very toxic atmosphere on Reddit. And although it kind of always had that element to it, it was sort of a place of like the best and worst for a long time. It sort of bubbled over and become known much more for the worst behavior on the site. So we were trying to address those things. The first thing we did was um, we banned revenge porn, which was interesting and not very difficult. It sort of seemed like this big task and it was treated like this big thing, but it wasn't hard. We just made the policy and did it and it worked. And then the next thing we addressed was harassment, which was a much harder task. (laughs) It was really, really intense. And we worked really hard to do the announcement and to um, address all the things that would be covered in that policy, which was pretty vast there. And we had to do it with the reaction of Reddit users, which was pretty angry at the time. So it was a lot to go through and it was a lot of work, but in the end, it worked. That's so fascinating. What kind of pushback were you getting from the community when when you created those policies? For harassment, it was interesting because you'd think that people would be on board with not harassing. Yeah, I would think so. (laughs) (laughs) We actually banned a very large community It was an incredibly toxic community. I don't even want to say their name because it's just so bad. So it needed to be done. And they were really mad. So we had to spend about three days sort of responding to them and removing the new subreddits that they would create to replace the old one with the intention of doing the same thing they were doing before. And it was just this big sort of um, backlash at us. And of course, there were death threats and all kinds of threats that went along with that. And it was um, fairly scary and really stressful. But again, I do think it was worth the effort as it did pay off in the end. There was, um, there was a study done later that detailed more of the outcome of that, like studying the words that people would use and where they hung out on the site and how all of that overlapped. And there was a significant decrease in toxic behavior. So I'm proud of that. That's so amazing. That is something to be hugely proud of. I feel like this could be a whole conversation, a whole episode <laughs> on its own, like the dark side of community. There's, oh, there's, there's so much to cover there. But let's, um, let's keep going through your careers. Um, Jess, can you share a little bit about your career in film? And were there any like parallels to community that you saw while you were in film? Absolutely. Each film project is a community in and of itself because you're putting together an idea, building a team, um, and and film production is a very intimate process. Um, Most shoots have a standard 12-hour working day, which means that they often go overtime. So you you spend so much time with anywhere from 10 to 50 people um, for a month or a few. And so really creating this idea of community on set and getting people behind a project idea is it's so related. <laughs> I spent so much of my time just doing kind of this these small community building for these film projects. And so when I when I left and started doing marketing consulting, I realized that all of that really translated. 
most of the film projects that I produced, I did a lot of building community around the film so that there was an audience and people who were really enthusiastic about what we were doing. And so I learned a lot through that process of both, again, just the the power of community for building a brand, um, for getting people excited, and also bringing value to that community beyond just whatever product you're offering. Um, So it's, it really helped teach me a lot about the do's and don'ts of bringing people together. Because, you know, if you have one bad person in a community, they can wreak havoc on everything. That's so interesting. Like, I just find it so fascinating how, you know, people who are in the community profession come from so many different walks of life, so many industries. And this is such a great example of it. Like who like I never would have thought there would be so many parallels between the two. What kind of films were you working on out of curiosity? I produced a action feature. I did a documentary about parkour. I produced a bunch of like commercials and small projects, web series. Um, it's been kind of all over the place throughout my intense five years working in the film industry. And so each community, like the the, the parkour film was a really interesting project because we ended up taking that on tour, on a world tour, and we screened the film in something like 15 different countries. Um, and so one of the ways that I connected with audiences in those countries was I, I used Facebook groups. So that was kind of my first introduction to online community. And this was back kind of when like the most people didn't realize that Facebook groups were a thing. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but they weren't as big as they yeah, are now. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. I can't remember at that time either, but it, it definitely existed. Well, it was so great because you got notifications because I think it was right around the time they started introducing ads. Um, and so pages were not as visible, but Facebook groups, every time somebody posted, you'd get a notification. So it was a really intimate way to get in touch with a core group of people. And so we used Facebook groups to you know, fill the seats on on this world tour, which was really, really fun. So when we chatted earlier, um, both of you shared that community to you kind of means life and death. And I found that really interesting. Can you expand a little bit more about that? There are so many situations in life where somebody can be completely isolated. So I think the easiest example of that would be, say, a gay teenager who lives in a very small town, has an unsupportive family, unsupportive community, and they feel very alone. That's a very dangerous position to be in really mentally and physically. So now that we have online communities, that child can go online and find people who are like them, people who relate, people who are going through the same things, people who can show them respect and teach them that they are okay the way they are. They can basically find all the things you would want in real life from people around you, but online and unfortunately not necessarily close to you, but that can be a lifeline for that child. And it can make, it can really be life or death. Like we know statistically that showing support to a gay teen really um, lowers the risk of suicide and other harmful behaviors. So it really is a matter of life and death for so many circumstances. And that's just something that I care very much about. Yeah. And and to continue on that, um, I'm queer myself. And that is 100% my life experience. I'm a little bit more of a in real life community person, I would say. And so a lot of what I did was, you know, identify and find some of these communities, even things like I have a chronic illness, uh, I have fibromyalgia. And 
meeting people who can help walk you through and support you and your struggles um, and educate you when sometimes it just feels like you're never going to get out of bed again. (laughs) It really can be life or death. And I think there's so many examples of people who have found community and it helped them get out of a bad situation or understand themselves better, feel like they belong. I think that's the, the key thing about community that people maybe don't entirely understand if they're not community folks is that feeling like you belong is one of the most important things in life um, as, as a human. It's so true. And honestly, thank you to both of you for sharing that really like your personal stories with that. Um, I think, you know, community is, is becoming this buzzword, right? Like everybody's trying to, to create a community. A lot of companies are jumping on it now. And it's, it's in a lot of ways becoming a marketing thing, which like it totally is in a lot of ways. But it's so important to remember that it's core to who we are as humans. And, you know, without community, we're, we're really nothing and it really can be life or death for for certain people so really important to to kind of have that perspective so thank you again for sharing so i want to shift gears here i'm really excited to jump into the company that you're building now so what is mesh and tell me a little bit about the inspiration for starting it so mesh is our attempt to reimagine the social media model to actually support communities and provide economic opportunity. I think we can all agree that community work is so often treated like charity. You know, if you're doing something out of a passion, people think that it should just be volunteer because it's community work. But community work is essential to everything we do in life. Um, And so we really wanted to reimagine the internet because as we have seen, when there are internet spaces that lack moderation and lack leadership, they tend to become cesspools pretty quickly. So moderators and community folks are really, really essential to a thriving and vibrant internet. So we're we're taking the social media model and adjusting it so that we include the ability to build communities on our platform with a really awesome moderation suite for community folks to manage and and keep their communities safe. And then we have a a bunch of ways for communities to monetize, um, including donations, member dues. And then the one that we're really excited about is we're building an ad marketplace where communities can vet and approve brands and small businesses that they feel share their community culture and values to advertise to their community and they keep 60% of the ad revenue. So currently on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there are ads that run, right? Like that's their entire business model is built around that. Um, And what we're trying to do is instead of all the money just coming to us, rewarding the people who make our platform really successful by giving them a major chunk of that ad revenue. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so needed. Like when I came across it, I was just like so amazed because when I was starting Fuck Up Nights um, in Toronto three and a half years ago, I remember how much of a struggle it was to monetize it at first and also justifying monetizing it, which was such a strange thing. But I think, you know, a lot of people who are looking at communities or people that are, you know, coming out to the events or, or members, they kind of like a lot of the time people expect it to be free and they don't realize all the work that goes into actually building a sustainable community and to, you know, keep it going and to keep people engaged. So something like this is so, so needed. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we've talked to community people, most of them say that if they're not, you know, a community, a professional community manager, the number one complaint is that they don't have an easy way 
to monetize. And it is invisible labor for anybody who's moderated a community. We know that it takes, you know, sometimes you spend anywhere from four to eight hours a day trying to, if it's a big enough community, trying to moderate it. And I think um, that's something we really want to shift is, is shifting it away from this invisible labor and make it something that is really prioritized and valued. Uh, and we think as a tech company, the way to do that is to share in the revenue that we're going to be getting from ads from these amazing communities that are that make it viable, right? That make advertising viable. That's incredible. So I wish I had this like, when I was just starting out. Like I remember how burnt out I was because I, I was working full time uh, for the first year that I was running Fuck Up Nights. And I remember just like coming home from from my tech job and pulling another shift until like 1 or 2 a.m. sometimes um, just working on this community. It's kind of it's like a labor of love. And like you said, really invisible labor. So I'm really curious, how did you guys meet and both get involved with uh, with Mesh? I actually found Mesh through a Twitter post. I happened to see a post that was encouraging people to post job listings at their companies. The intention of it was to help people who were at Facebook and who didn't want to work there anymore uh, because Facebook was going through some kind of scandal at the time. I don't remember which one. So I was not a Facebook employee, but I was looking for work. So I decided to spend some time and go through the responses. It took a couple of hours. Almost everything was engineering. But then I got to this post for Mesh and I clicked through and saw what the website was and what they wanted to do. And I saw this community site that has had all of my values listed. All of the things I want to see in a community platform was listed on the features they were going to have. And I thought, I'm really, I couldn't be more qualified to work with this company. <laughs> so, so I contacted uh, Drew Thaler, who is our co-founder and ECTO. We set up a call. So a couple days later, I spoke with him and Jess, and it went really quickly from there. Yeah, I think we, we talked on a Monday and you decided on Wednesday that you were moving to LA and yes. joining full time. It was it was yeah. a total shotgun wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I guess like when you know, you know. It felt right so fast. I think we all got along really quickly and we just agreed with everything we wanted to work on. There was just, um, yeah, it just worked out really great. But I think one of the things that we really bonded over is this idea that really hating the idea and the stance that so many tech companies take that they want to be neutral, quote unquote, or apolitical, and really wanting to make a stand and, and being clear about our values and what we do or don't allow on the platform. That was one of my favorite parts of our conversation because you were just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was great. <laughs> so how are you guys seeking out communities that would really benefit from the ecosystem? Where are you finding them? And how are you reaching out to them and getting them engaged? We're mostly reaching out to established communities that have some sort of in real life presence. We're really interested in talking first to communities that are traditionally underserved or underrepresented in tech. If you think about most technology companies, they tend to start with um, within the tech ecosystem, which is predominantly white, male, and affluent. We're really interested and focused and uh, focusing on different kinds of communities and really serving serving folks that usually don't have a voice and like the feedback of products and everything else. So we've, we've talked to a bunch of nonprofits that we're really excited about. Um, we actually just today, this is really exciting. Um, we got commitment from a huge 400,000 plus houseplant community <laughs> to join mesh, but they said their biggest frustration, of course, surprise to literally no one is that they can't make money, even though they have this huge community and it's really engaged. Um, 
but they don't have a way to monetize it. So they kind of have to make this their hobby instead of a full-time job. Um, so we're really excited about that. So it's kind of just any community that we feel uh, shares our values. We really want to support communities that we think would benefit from this ad model because I do think you know a lot of communities have a hard time charging member dues because people it doesn't always make sense for every community to charge member dues. So identifying folks that could really you know have value added to their community from brand partnerships and sponsorships. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on on signing that community. Thank you. (laughs) And what's your vision for the future of Mesh? We really want to create an equitable internet. We think that the the internet can be um, a great equalizer. And we're heading into a huge recession. People are really hurting for money. So we're really hoping that we reimagine not just on Mesh, but I think with social media platforms um, in general, reimagining the internet to be this force for good that is equitable and provides resources to communities beyond just connection. Because I think we're constantly sold that idea that connecting is enough, but community needs a lot more than that. It needs resources to be healthy and thriving. Uh, so that's our, that's our vision for Mesh is really to be, to be spearheading that, that model and hopefully be the leading community platform if I'm being lofty. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. How can our listeners help? Like anybody who's listening to create community, um, how can they get involved and you know, how can they help you guys propel forward? We would love to hear from you if you're creating a community or have an existing community. You can fill out a form for early access on meshcommunities.us. And that will reach out to you with more information about how to sign up and just make sure you're a good fit. Um, And we're just excited to hear and get feedback. That's really what we're looking for at this stage. We want to build something that community people love. And so that's having folks who are willing to be really brutally honest with us about what they love and what they hate is, is really important. So I want to get some of your advice for community creators and listeners. So how can we build online communities that sustainably address the issues of accountability, democracy, and diversity? I think one of the most important things to do is when you're creating your community, think about what you want to create. What kind of atmosphere do you want? What do you want to provide for people? What do you want to get out of it? And then create a code of conduct for your users and yourself to go by so that you can create that atmosphere and you can maintain it. If you don't have a code of conduct from the beginning, it's often very hard to implement one later, which is something that you see a lot of at tech companies now. They went you know, a decade without doing anything, and now all of a sudden they're trying to rein in Nazis. And it's very difficult to do that. So it's better if you start out intentional in the beginning and you build that as your foundation. And then as you bring people on, they will be invested in maintaining that as well. They'll come on because that's what they want. And so they will then help you moving forward to educate new people and to bring new people into the fold so that the atmosphere stays as you want it. And that sort of becomes, hopefully it becomes a sort of self-sustaining practice that the whole community just rallies around. So if there is a bad actor, they're going to get shut down pretty quickly and it will be a lot easier for you managing the community. For sure. Um, if somebody is just getting started and, you know, they're creating a fairly new community, how can they get started in creating a code of conduct? Is there like somewhere that they could find templates? Should they be engaging a lawyer? Um, what's the best way to just like get something out there? I think that 
something that was helpful to me was looking at other communities that I liked and seeing what they wrote. It does help you figure out the sort of tone and think about the things that you should cover um, and what's relevant to you and your people. And why is it more important than ever to maintain democracy with online communities, like especially during this time? Democracy is essential to everything we do, everything we know in society. And I think that healthy, thriving communities are self-governed, right? So you have people who are managing a community that are in a leadership position because a group of people decided that they trusted and valued their leadership. And I think that at any point when that is no longer true, that needs to be communicated. When you have a community that becomes really unhealthy and it kind of just goes haywire, that's really unfortunate for everyone involved. And it's something that I think we've all probably experienced at one point or another. And I think uh, democracy within community and then also community for democracy, the way we think about self-governing, and I think, you know, these kind of sound maybe a bit obtuse when we think about coming from online communities or, or like communities that pop up first out of, of something kind of fun. It's really weird to talk about self-governance, but I think we should start having those conversations. Of what does it mean to have democracy within a community? And what happens when a community needs new leadership? And I think that's one of the things that we've been exploring a lot of is just the life of a community. You know, I've, I've started a ton of communities that I've had to shut down for one of many or, you know, a lot of different reasons. And I think that's totally okay, but I also know that there were a couple of times where people wanted to take over that community leadership. And it just didn't happen for a bevy of reasons. And and I we're trying to figure out a better model for that. So to expand on that, I think, you know, right now with the with the election coming up and just like the time that we're in, there's so much polarization and and you know, people really set on their own opinions. How can we make sure that there's like healthy dialogue within communities? And, you know, the first thing that we do is not just canceling somebody, but actually, you know, trying to have a productive discussion. One of the more important things I think is to not be afraid to have toxic members of your community removed. If they're not following your code of conduct and that's what's contributing to the problem, then enforce it. Otherwise, it's good to join the conversation and sort of, you can help diffuse it. You can deflect a little bit, hopefully calm people down and just sort of maintain the civility and remind people that you're all people here in this community together for a reason. So there's no reason to be horrible to each other. You just have to like make it human, I think. I saw a great rule recently in in a, a group that I joined. And it said, when engaging with somebody that you don't agree with, don't do the gotcha responses, <laughs> um, which was to say, like, you know, don't just say something to be smug and to be right, because that's usually what starts like a dumpster fire. And so they really encouraged people to be civil and to ask questions um, in earnest. And the group is really great. It's a, it's a political group with um, people who are... Democrats and Republicans who are sort of in the middle. And this was an example of a community that I was really interested to see how they moderated because it could go off the rails so quickly. And they're just really strict about, you know, making sure that if you are going to respond to people, ask open-ended questions, um, be curious, but like don't attack and don't do the gotchas. And it's been a really thoughtful community to be a part of. So I'm, I'm hoping that more people start to adopt policies like that. Choosing the right platform is definitely a big part of creating a community. 
And I think it's something that a lot of our listeners are thinking about how to best go about choosing the right platform for their community and how to do so responsibly, um, because there are definitely a lot of factors that you should be considering. Um, can you share some insights around that and how people can go about it? Yeah, I think there's, there is a huge responsibility for community managers and, and community folks to pick platforms and tools that share their community values. Obviously, you know, like if you're going to cook dinner for a group of friends, you don't want to put arsenic in their food. Um, And that's kind of how I think about platforms is, you know, this is a thing that like nourishes your community, right? It makes it makes connection possible. It makes all of the things possible. So you want to make sure that it's actually something that's healthy for you and healthy for the community um, in order to make sure that it's sustainable, right? So if you're on a platform that doesn't share your values, if you believe that Black Lives Matter, for example, and you're on a platform that does not have anti-racist policies in their company or for their platform, I think there's a huge responsibility for us community folks to say, hey, these are the things that we value. And either you leave that platform or if you're kind of already on that platform and you've chosen that platform um, to build your community, to really lobby the tech companies to make changes to their policies, which we've been seeing a lot of recently, which is really exciting. My hope is that more people research smaller platforms like Mesh that might better adhere to their community values. So let's jump into your personal communities. Um, I think it's so fascinating how people in the community profession navigate their personal communities outside of work. So Jessica, where are you based right now in the world and what communities are you part of? Well, I'm in Los Angeles now, which I love, by the way. I just moved here a few months ago and it's been great aside from being quarantined. So online... The communities that I'm a part of right now, I mostly join communities sort of fun reasons. I go to them as a sort of escape, basically. Like, I life is hard, so I want to go to these places and enjoy myself. And my favorite one is called Craftsbird Photography, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, we basically, it's a bunch of people who love birds and bird watching, and we share our images that don't turn out well because birds are difficult to photograph, so we have tons of them. And... It's like slanted horizons, a thumb in the picture, a blurry bird. It's just all these really terrible pictures. And we basically just insult each other very friendly ways. Like, wow, that's, you know, a really great use of a slanted horizon or whatever. And it's just silly and fun. And it's also strangely inclusive and positive And, like, we all really enjoy each other. So... That's like one of my favorite places on the internet right now. That's so funny. Also, I feel like your bird knows that we're talking about that. <laughs> just started chirping. Like, yeah, he's chirping right now. <laughs> that's so perfect. I love it. Um, and Jess, what about you? What are some communities that you're a part of and why are they meaningful to you? I just recently got involved in houseplants about a year ago. And I, I grew up in nature and moved to the city. And so I just kind of lost that. Um, connection to nature and starting house plants like it, it feels overwhelming because you have to learn how to take care of all of these plants that have very different needs like I felt like I was a parent you know like panicking and just afraid of doing the wrong thing and so I started joining a ton of plant communities and it, it has been 
it has made, especially the pandemic, so wonderful. People post um, photos of plants and tell stories about hardships that they're going through. They talk about exciting things in their life. Um, and it's, you know, kind of house plants as this vehicle to talk about life and connect with folks. I just love it so much. It's my favorite thing to happen in the last year. <laughs> And then I'm also really curious um, how you choose your people. This is kind of a strange question, but I, I love hearing how community builders choose the people that are closest to them. So Jessica, what about you? How do you choose your people, really like the five to six people that are the closest to you? Do you feel like you look for certain qualities in them or is it something that just kind of more um, naturally happens? Well, for me, it actually happened online in a community in around 2001, I joined a website that was for um, feminist and alternative parenting. And that was where I ended up finding my people in the community there. And so now it's been almost 20 years and there's between 10 and 20 of us who gather pretty much daily in an online group. And we have been through everything with each other. We've been through life and death and marriage and divorce and pretty much anything you can think of that happens over the course of 20 years, we've been there for each other. So we know each other better than most people in our regular lives. And most of us have never met in real life. And those are really my favorite people. And I'm so lucky to have had that experience back then when communities were the way they were back then. It was generally much smaller and more niche. And we were lucky to find each other. For sure. And I think that's something that's so important to keep in mind right now with these times of, you know, physical distancing that you don't have to be like in the same room with people to Absolutely. really have a community. You can really like seek out your tribe online. And there's so many different ways to do that. So that's such you a great really reminder. Can. And you can be as close to them as you would to anybody else. It's not a fake friendship. It's a real friendship that develops over time. Absolutely. Um, and Jess, what about you? How do you choose your people? I remember reading a quote a few years ago that said you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that terrified me. <laughs> um, and it really changed the way that I thought about how I surround myself and who I surround myself with. I think overall, my biggest value is honesty. I really appreciate people who are willing and able to have difficult conversations, even if they're worried that it might hurt me or that it might ruin our friendship. And so that's been something that I, I really try to cultivate in my relationships because I like being really honest. And I think that that's the greatest form of intimacy between any two or more people um, is just being really candid and honest with each other. So that's something that I really, even if I don't agree with them on a lot of other stuff, <laughs> As long as I feel that they're honest and we can have a really honest relationship, it's a really good thing. And that's kind of how I how I vet folks. Yeah, absolutely. I think honesty is such a key thing. It comes up so much as, as an answer to this. And I, I totally value it as well. So my last question for both of you is, uh, what does the word community mean to you? So Jessica, why don't we kick it off with you again? To me, community is a place, whether it's physical or online, it's a place where people can come together generally around a reason. There's either an interest or a location or something that matters to you all. And that's basically how you find each other. And then you build connections within that. And I think the connections is where the community really lies. That's awesome. And Jess, what about you? To me, community is a group of people that come together because of an interest or a cause or a location, and they care about the collective well-being of the group. 
absolutely. That's such a key thing, like caring about the collective and, and not only being in it for yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much to both of you for taking the time to chat. It was such a fun conversation. Well, thank you. It's been great. Yeah. Likewise. This was really fun. <laughs> I had such a great time chatting with Jess and Jessica, and I hope that you gained some insights from this conversation. You can learn more about Mesh and connect with Jess and Jessica over at meshcommunities.us. Thanks for tuning in to Create Community, a podcast where I chat with incredible community builders to define what community truly means. You can check out the series on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you normally listen. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. I'd really love to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at createcommunitypod or check out our website at createcommunitypod.com for updates. Once again, I'm Marsha Drucker, your host, signing off. A huge thank you to Origins Media House for producing this series. You can find them at originsmediahouse.com, where house is spelled H-A-U-S, or on LinkedIn and Instagram at Origins Media House and Twitter at Origins Media.